Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. Steve Thorpe has an energy about him that lifts everyone up. The serial entrepreneur has accomplished much in his young life, from a long career in action sports to a rewarding chapter in the hospitality industry. He grew up in Alberta, a lover of nature since a young child. Annual fishing trips with his father to BC eventually led to his move here at 18, where his entrepreneurial path truly began. Over the years, he's launched Fresh Tap, Vancouver Urban Winery, and Postmark Brewing to great success. In this episode, we dive deep into what he's learned from his parents, his deeply personal learnings over the past year, a new self-care brand he's launching later in 2021, and more. Please enjoy this conversation with the truly kind, very authentic Steve Thorpe. Steve, welcome to The Craft. Thank you. Excited to be here. I'm excited you're here too. Absolutely. First deep dive between us. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a it's been a number of years actually since Absolutely. I've seen you. So this will be great. It's nice to see you in person. Yeah, I know. We're distanced and we're safe. distanced. We're safe. Don't worry, everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like starting the episodes thinking of how we connected, and we had a quick chat prior to this, but um, we met through our mutual friend Daryl Trinidad, affectionately known Shout as out Trini. To Trini. Thanks, Trini. (laughs) And I think it was some sort of event at No Limits or, you know, back in the day when that was still around. Yeah, Yeah. that seems about right. We were kind of all hanging in the same group. It was kind of that early 2000s era action Mm -hmm. sports, lots of fun things happening all over the city. So we connected in there at some point. And I think let's just pin it to Trini because he's amazing and good shout out to him. Great guy. But yeah, so many great people in that crew. So we were bound to... Cross paths. cross paths in some way. So. Yeah. And we kept on crossing paths over the years and now here we are. Yeah. So excited. I can't wait to talk about your life and who you are as a person. Yeah. Let's take it back. Way back. How far back do you want to go? Let's go Alberta and wow. childhood growing yeah. up. So you <laughs> <laughs> So you grew up with entrepreneurial parents. I did. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. place to start. You mm-hmm. know, when we were young, my sister and I, we, you know, we were in a small household, humble beginning in a small rural town. And, you know, my parents uh, were entrepreneurs from an early, early beginning. And we kind of got to really see it firsthand, the ups and downs and the struggles and kind of what they went through to really build their business. And, you know, we're young kids going to school and, you know, once in a while going to their office and sleeping on the couch and they're doing late nights and, you know, we got one car, so it's a struggle to like get everything done and, you know, get to hockey practice and all those things. But, you know, it was so exciting to watch. And, you know, my parents are just incredible, resilient, loving people. So, you know, no matter, you know, how low the lows were or anything, they were just always, you know, so loving and caring mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, just kept the ship sailing in the right direction. So, you know, I learned so much from them at an early age, probably more than I could ever articulate just because it was just, you know, bred right into me. So, yeah. So if you're going to describe mom, <laughs> what was she like? Mom, she's Charlene is 
even keel the kindest warmest loving person you'll ever meet she's like biggest smile wants to hug everybody it's been a tough year for her not getting to hug everybody <laughs> um but just like caring and you know optimistic and just you know always there she was kind of like the mom to all of our friends as well mm. so many of my sisters as, as well but like you know we walked home for lunch every day through middle school and high school and she'd make my friends lunch and just was the best mm-hmm. and dad dad is um is incredible he's a geologist by trade he's like the most intelligent person I'll ever meet you know one of his mottos is lifelong learning so he always instilled that in us and again just so supportive and energetic and you know, curious and always wants to learn and chat. And, you know, he's one of those dads where you have a glass of wine and you can just chat for hours. You know, you ask him about how a helicopter operates and he's never really flown one, but he knows how it works. So amazing. Be ready for like a long conversation, (laughs) (laughs) but just, you know, they've always been so supportive of my sister and I and all of our entrepreneurial dreams and like, you know, just being there as a backboard to discuss ideas and plans and everything. Mm. So that's really nice. It sounds like a very, you grew up in a very supportive household. Which I was extremely great. fortunate. <clears throat> like definitely as, as you get older and you start to have those discussions with more and more people, you realize like how fortunate you are to have a household like that. And, you know, I'm just, yeah, I, I think about that every day and pinch myself that mm-hmm. I had that support when mm-hmm. I was young and it allowed me um, to really get to the places I've got to in life. Yeah, right, right. I I feel like when you have a supportive household like that, you know, you can just, you can be who you are. Yeah, Mm. I think so. Yeah. And you're really close to your sister too, right? I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's two years older. She's a very supportive big sister, you know, always there for me. And, you know, she's got her own small businesses as well. So I've, you know, been there for her through the ups and downs and her successes and her, her shortfalls and, you know, been there to help coach her as much as I can. And she's been a huge inspiration to all of us as well. So Mm, that's amazing. And you as a kid, what were you like? Oh man. Well, if you had, you know, my parents or Tara here, they might give you a different story. (laughs) So, um, I think I was a pretty easy kid. You know, my parents would like throw a box of Lego in front of me and it was kind of my babysitter. I would just like build stuff for hours or I used to draw a lot when I was young and you know, I played every sport. I loved to just be outside. You know, when we were young, we didn't have a lot. And so my parents, you know, would just send us outside and, you know, go play, go into the park. And, um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time in the outdoors when we were young. My dad being a geologist, he spent a lot of time outside. So we used to camp and fish and travel a lot kind of throughout Alberta Mm -hmm. when we were young. And there was always other kids around my parents used to take like other kids that weren't fortunate enough to go camping with their family we used to bring them along when we were young and so there'd always be people around my dad teaching them how to make a lean-to and a fire and (laughs) how to navigate with a compass and it was just incredible so we spent a lot of time just being outside and you know getting dirty and Mm -hmm. all the fun things so I was a pretty content kid I think I would think I was yeah, pretty it sounds easy, like a but, very yeah. full childhood. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a lot of fun for sure. You know, in Alberta, you kind of have to like come up with things to stay interested. You know, yeah. it's a, it's, we're in a really small town, so yeah. but a lot of sports and you know mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of great friendships. Mm. And you're big into fishing. 
Yeah, huge. Still today, like I think my back dad- Back then and now. Back then and now, you know, my, my dad put a rod in my hand when I was probably, I don't know, two. I've got funny photos of me holding fish. And when I was um, nine years old, nine or 10 years old, my dad took, he was like, Kate, you're ready. We're going fishing for salmon in BC. So we went on our first road trip out to BC and I still remember it like clear as day. I remember driving through Vancouver and we actually got on the ferry going to the island to fish a river called the Big Qualicum. And I remember we got on the BC ferry boat and off the back of the boat, we were kind of on an evening ferry and there was fireworks in the sky. And it was one of like probably the symphony of fire or something. Yeah. And I was just like in <laughs> awe. I was like, like I'm going to live here. And I was like <laughs> nine years old, like, I'm, this is my home. Yeah. And so that was the first trip. And from, you know, nine or 10 years old, all the way till, you know, I moved to BC when I was 18, my dad and I would come to BC, you know, two, three, four, five times a year to go steelhead and salmon fishing. So we fished all up and down the coast, like mm. all over the Vancouver area, but a lot up in Prince Rupert, Kitimat Terrace area, went to Haida Gwaii a few times. Beautiful. And we would just take off driving <clears throat> and my dad would, you know, we'd fish for a week, we'd fish for 10 days. Maybe I'd miss a bit of school. And, yeah. you know, we just, it was incredible because, you know, we'd have these like long, long trips and days where, you know, he became like my teacher and coach. And so we'd chat through all sorts of stuff, you know, yeah. life, school. I was just going to say that's, yeah. that's amazing to be able to spend that much time with, you know, a parent and, and have that time to build like such a strong relationship. Yeah, it was great for mm. sure. And we were steelhead fishing a couple of weeks ago out in uh, Chilliwack on the veteran. I, I think I took like a little selfie of us and I was like, it like, it's something like almost 30 years of fishing together. Like it's pretty special. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, that's so wonderful <clears throat> yeah. to have that tradition. And so you said, um, eight at 18, um, you were, you were coming up here until you were 18. And then you also started your first company when you were 18. Yeah. So I, I made the move two days out of high school left. I knew I wanted to move to Vancouver. My sister was actually already here. She moved when she was 18 too. So I had a couple year gap there where I came out to go snowboarding a few times and, you know, I was really getting into action sports. So two days out of high school, packed a U-Haul with a few friends, moved to Vancouver and kind of took that first summer to like get to know the city. And like, you know, we went on a few adventures and, you know, I, I was enrolled at Cap College. I was actually listening to Tyler talk yes. um, with you about Cap College and, you know, good alumni from there. So back then it was Cap College. I enrolled to do some night courses there just to like see what I wanted to hone in on and found that definitely wanted to go down the business route. So started doing some business courses and then got a job at the boardroom. And that was kind of my first forte into action sports. Mm -hmm. And you were working in that industry for about eight to 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. So the first company actually comes from working at the boardroom. So yeah. I worked there for about a year or so. I still remember like wanting to be in the action sports industry and I would go up and down the West fourth block kind of knocking on every door being like, hire me, hire me. And it, <laughs> I remember it being like kind of like October, November area and, and all the shops were kind of full staffed going into Christmas. And finally, um, Jay and pair at the boardroom gave me a shot. And they're like, all right, like, <laughs> let's give this, let's give this like really energetic, hungry kid one shift a week. So they gave me a couple shifts and then I started picking up some more shifts and by the you know, a few weeks in, I was full time. And yeah. so I spent about a year at the boardroom and it was fantastic, you know, family owned business and got to meet like 
a lot of my dear friends today. And through working there, it was it was considered like an A-tier account. So a lot of the reps from a lot of the brands would always show up. So I started kind of quizzing them about the back end of the industry, how it worked, you know, reps versus distribution houses and brands, where are they from and how it operates. And I got really fascinated with the back end of the industry. And so after about a year at the boardroom, I decided that I wanted to start a small agency and move into the wholesale side mm. of the business. What is it about the industry that you loved so much? Oh, wow. We could do a whole session just on this. Um, you know, it's it's incredible being in an industry where everybody has a true passion to be in that industry. And it's probably a lot. Like if you talk to anybody who specializes in anything, they'll probably say the same thing. But it's a really, it's really unique when you get into the sports world. And, and at that time, the action sports world, because it was on such a height, like it was, you know, entering the Olympics and the X Games were starting. And it was, you know, a really inspiring culture around the world where art and everything was moving into action sports. And so to be a part of that was, there was so much passion in it. And there's all these new brands that were getting like global exposure and like, it was just a real height of the industry. Mm-hmm. But then everybody in it is really in it authentically for a reason. They really love the sport, really love the culture of it. So you're surrounded by a lot of people that just really had a, a ton of passion for it. Mm. <clears throat> so that was a big driver for me. And I also, yeah. you know, really believed in the mentality and the the sports culture of what was going on. And I love to be a part of all these sports, you know, dirt biking and snowboarding and skateboarding and all these things that I loved. And so it's kind of like meshing all those together with business. And it really made sense. Right. To me. Yeah. A natural passion with the affinity for business, yeah. which led you into hospitality. Tell me about that oh, chapter man. in your life. Yeah. So eight years in action sports was just an incredible journey, you know, met so many people, you know, but near the end of it, I kind of saw, saw it that I would either, my next step would either be to join forces and start a brand or start a store or a wholesaler. And it didn't really fit where I was at the time. So what I did was I actually transitioned my agency at the time into a marketing agency. So there's actually a little gap in between, Mm. which you might or might not know about, but I started an agency called The Antidote and it was actually a boutique agency in Vancouver where we specialized in linking action sports with the hospitality or liquor industry. And it was a ton of fun. It's actually where my first uh, main business partner, Mike and I kind of joined forces in the agency. We got to kind of link into the liquor and spirits industry a little bit and kind of get into some of the bigger brands like Molson and Absolute. We did some work around the Olympics with 2010 games and I really saw my passion for brand start to come out, Mm -hmm. which during my action sports era, I didn't get to fully hone, but there's a lot of times where I was working with startup brands from the US that were coming to Canada and I had a lot of input on, you know, what drove those brands to success in brand and promotion and strategy. So I really wanted to hone that in for a few years. And while at the antidote, Mike and I sat down and said, okay, let's use this time to research and focus on what we want to really invest in into our next project. Mm, and then comes that hospitality. Was, yeah. So then you had Fresh Tab and then Vancouver Urban Winery and then Postmark and then Havana. And Bellegarde Kitchen. And Bellegarde Kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And you almost got that in exact order as well. <laughs> 
It did That's my research. Amazing. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you did you love your your chapter in hospitality? I did. Yeah, it was so fascinating. You know, the the amount of um, let's call it red tape for a short version, but there's a there's a lot of process and procedure that you go through in those type of businesses, and the scale of them w- was quite large. So, you know, to be a part of um, you know, the ins and outs of raising capital and multiple rounds and bank financing and board of directors and all the things that you kind of mature into as as you grow into the next chapter of business. Um, we got to execute on all of that. And, you know, when Mike and I started Fresh Tap, Wine on Tap, it was it was incredible because, you know, nobody here had really heard of it yet. It was kind of a, a very new innovation in that industry. So we got to go back to like education and promotion and like, you know, the real grassroots of how you get something off the ground. Mm -hmm. And then adding Vancouver Urban Winery was just a blast. It was like, we had this incredible space that we still have in Railtown at 55 Dunleavy. And we got to do a lot of events and, and parties and social gatherings to really get our cash flow moving Mm -hmm. in the first few years as we built up Fresh Tap Wine on Tap. So those two combined, you know, it was a really fun chapter. It was a, it was a really fast paced chapter for sure. So that was kind of around 2012, 2013 mm-hmm. and um, a lot of newness and a lot of challenge, but very, very exciting and yeah, got to kind of bring a lot of um, my experience and connections from, you know, my eight to 10 years now through action sports and marketing into those businesses and then really thrive on those. Yeah. So what was like, you were talking about challenges. If you were going to talk about a challenge that you had, um, in hospitality, what would you say, you know, you learned the most? Oh man. I think some of the, some of the bigger challenges in those first few years were right at the beginning and, and really trying to kind of decipher the code in a lot of the legislation and, and alcohol licensing and, and really get the project off the ground. And it was extremely challenging at the time. You know, Mike and I were looking around Vancouver at physical sites to be able to launch the business. And, you know, it's there wasn't really anybody to answer any questions definitively through the province or the city on yes or no, you can't do this. So we had a couple of strikeouts that um, didn't work through, you know, different red tape that really took us to a low and we had invested a lot of capital and we were really like bringing everything we had to the table and you know it's just like a bit of luck a bit of timing a bit of experience all mixed together that one morning after we actually struck out on a building that we really wanted I got the call from our realtor and he's like hey um 55 Dunleavy just came available and you know it was like this beacon of light through a lot of dark that you got this call and I, you know, we rushed to the meeting, met the landlord that day for coffee. He loved our strategy. He's this really brilliant, bright man. Um, And he, yeah, he believed in us and we ended up getting that lease and that started that entire chapter. And it was all came out of that struggle and that determination to get that done. Mm. And so that was a big one. I think you know, the other ones, you know, there's so many highs and lows when you're starting a business like this and you're in an entrepreneurial business. But, you know, a lot of it was just, you know, around cash flow and financing and the neck getting to the next milestone and the next milestone and growing the business and, you know, so many little challenges along the way. But just staying, making sure that you're staying even keeled and focused on your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you, you know, you can make your way through that path. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just listening to you right now and the word that's coming to, to mind is just making sure that the business is, is sustainable. So mm-hmm. like, and having, yeah, like you're talking about cash flow and strategy and just making sure that you can, if you want a long-term business that you're thinking of all of those things along Absolutely. the way. Hmm. And then Postmark, I, yeah. um, it's so incredible the the brand and the community that you created. Thank you. You guys created around Postmark. You feel really proud about that one? I do, absolutely. You know, it um it was really kind of at the pinnacle at the time of taking everything that we had learned and all of our contacts and all of our love for photography and our art and culture and making something and the craft of it and the business and applying it all together. Mm-hmm. And it was really like putting myself and Mike and our other partners putting ourselves on a platter and just kind of like out to the world. And it was so much fun. It was a extremely fun business to be in at the time. It was, you know, the height of when craft beer was really growing in the province and globally. And we got to really be a part of that and be a part of that kind of historic wave of craft beer. Yeah. And I think like, oh man, I, I don't remember the exact numbers over those years of how many breweries were opening and growing, but I think just in our year of 2014, there was like 60 breweries or something that opened in BC. Oh, no way. Wow. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's just hundreds and hundreds of them now, and it's just such a thriving culture. So nice it was to really be in the, the forefront of that. Yeah, like, it that was so exciting. It was so, so exciting. Yeah. And, you know, being able to tap into some of those incredible friendships and connections I made over the all the years and bring them into the brand and it was great mm-hmm. must have been so nice to see it like grow past just even you know the west coast of Canada but Absolutely. all the way into Asia and some places in Europe yes that was really exciting and I actually got to do um, a tour in um, Bangkok for Canada or for Postmark where I went over and I did like a couple of talks and I met some of the clients and like got to spend three or four days in the city touring around and seeing everybody and watch people actually drink our product in Bangkok. It was really exciting. That is amazing. That's so great. Um, And then, you know, you know, speaking of hospitality, then the last year happened and that caused a lot of devastation in the industry, which we've we've seen. Um, But you also had a couple of you know, personal challenges too that, you know, I, I know transformed you over the last 12 months. Yes, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, COVID, when COVID happened, you know, obviously nobody kind of knew what the future was in, was in store for us, but it was such a, a huge challenge that we were kind of all taking on together. And at the time I was actually transitioning out of hospitality. So out of my operational role within the companies and kind of uh, stepping back a little bit and kind of looking at what my next chapter might be and uh, spending a lot of time on Galliano where I have a place over there and just kind of getting recentered. And then, you know, come summer hits and the BLM movement came about. And that's when, you know, not only on our business, but me personally, I went into a, a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, a, a difficult thing to unpack and talk about, but um, what had happened was we had a real big misstep in our business a few years prior with a, a group of staff that were really trying to 
wholeheartedly come to us with an issue that was in the business and that had happened at a staff event. And we just really treated the situation very poorly. And um, they came to us back then with um, a lot of like beautiful education and resources and were really trying to talk to us about white privilege and what was going on in the downtown east side and our business. And we managed it really badly. You know, we went into defense mode and kind of managed the situation into silence. And when the BLM movement happened, it really resurfaced. Um, we were one of the businesses that got called out in that. <clears throat> and um, myself and some of the partners did personally as well. And I kind of, you know, I really sat in it. It, it uh, humbled me in a huge way, like that words can't even describe. And, you know, through that, you know, I can sit here today and say that, you know, it was definitely the most challenging point in my personal life and business life, no doubt. But it is also probably the most rewarding and transformational things that I could have ever done. So you sit here thinking, I think back to all the challenges of going through that, but how rewarded I feel to actually go through it because it has changed me and I truly believe it will change me for the, my entire future now mm -hmm. and how I live my life and who I surround myself with and how I do business and, you know, how I look at the world and how I educate myself. So it was, but it was, yeah, a really tough chapter. Yeah. What did, what did you learn most about yourself, um, in this time? Like that you can, you know, if you, that you feel like sharing. That's a really great question, May. Um, I think there's a magnitude of things that I learned, but, um, you know, th through some really close friends to me, um, they really helped me keep accountable. And I think accountability is something that you know, is, is really hard for some people, you know, once you start to unpack things and you start to really open your eyes to them and you're able to accept them and take responsibility, which is such a challenging part, then you, then it's the next step of accountability. Mm -hmm. And so I think learning a whole new set of accountability for myself was huge, um, especially through such a big challenge. Um, and then really just being able to, you know, look at myself and understand where my shortcomings are as a person and not pointing blame and not doing any of that, just unpacking it and understanding it so that you're able to learn from a different perspective, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, get those blockers off and just, just go back to how can I learn to be a better person? Right, right. And just expanding like as you said, expanding perspective, like you see the world differently, how you're going to do business. And I think that it's it's just understanding where another person might be coming from and what those um, traumas that, that they may be holding from, you know, even their own lives, but like through epigenetics, what they may have inherited through that as well. And so, yeah, just being understanding and as much as possible in learning. So, you know, yes. I, I think that, you know, to hear that you did the work over the last year, you know, I think that's a really beautiful thing that you, you did. And, and 
courageous because I don't think a lot of people will, you know, not everyone has the courage to do that. So, and I appreciate that man. And it's, um, and it's a never ending journey now, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't just start and stop and there's kind of an end date to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's now a prescription that you bring into your life and, and you live it every day. And you, you know, going back to my dad's classic saying of lifelong learning, it's now a piece of my life that I authentically want to integrate in Mm -hmm, and keep mm -hmm. learning and keep evolving. I'm not perfect. I'm not today. And I'm probably still going to have some stumbling steps in the future. But if you're open to that and you're open to listening, which is a huge part of it, Mm -hmm. um, then I think you can, you can stumble through those. Okay. And there'll be people there to help pick you back up and support you to, to move forward. Absolutely. And, you know, the reason why I do say, you know, that it's really courageous that you you did that is, you know, last last week there was a lot of heavy things that were happening in the news with Asian hate and, you know, women not feeling safe walking. And so I think for many people it was heavy. But the the thing that was really wonderful was I can't even tell you how many um, people, uh, particularly men actually, that reached out, picked up the phone and just said, hey, I don't know what it's like to be you, but I just want you to know that I'm learning and I'm here. And if you need me, just call me. That's beautiful. And I was not even expecting that. Um, and so, yeah, I just want people to know that there is there is a lot of heaviness in the world, but there's a, a lot of people who are trying. And that just shows you that like, you know, it's it's a simple gesture and it's a simple movement, you know, it can be, man, looking at the world right now, it can be daunting to think of like how much is happening and it's all right in front of us. It's on our screens every day. It's surrounding us. Um, But it's that simple, it's just one simple thing to do that can really have a huge impact. Huge impact. So, and so people can never forget that it's like, you might think you're just a drop in, drop in the bucket, but without that drop, the bucket's missing something. Yeah. So just, you know, keep throwing those single drops out there. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the drops and the r- the ripple effect of that, Absolutely. you know, you, you do that and you can change someone's entire day or their entire week out Which of just a small, yeah, right it was, it was incredible. So Amazing. yeah, just wanted to acknowledge, I won't say any names, but yeah. acknowledge those people who, who did that and mm. anyone who's doing the work. So, um, I know that, uh, when we were catching up the other week, you, you mentioned that you're, your partner, Andrea, was a really big rock for you during this time. I'm curious to know, you know, what did, what did she do that make, made you feel so supported and seen during that time? I Oh, man. Yeah, she was fantastic. I think um, being that we're kind of in a new relationship, like seeing kind of one of my biggest lows uh, as a human being, you know, she didn't have to do a lot, but what she did was she was just right there through the whole thing as like a great sounding board and just was like open to listening and talking and discussing what I was going through and supportive, um, not being reactive and just like being a great human, you know, Mm. she's just, she's a beautiful spirit. And so, you know, having somebody like that, it was literally right beside me through the whole thing as you know, we're in the middle of COVID and she's my partner in it. So that was, that was fantastic to have. Mm, that's really beautiful. Um, I have this, this uh, 
um, question, and it's <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I've been thinking about for uh, quite a lot the the past week or so. I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective on this. You know, when I when I uh, see you, I see you as a very positive, um, fun, always smiling human, and I feel like I'm I'm quite similar in in those ways. I um, would definitely <laughs> say so. <laughs> I'm just curious. Do you ever feel pressure to always be the positive, uplifting one in your community, even when you're going through a hard time? Wow. That's a really great question. Yes, I do. Absolutely. I think when you start to get kind of casted into that role, um, people start to look at that as like, okay, you know, Steve might be my like spirit of like optimism and energy and positive spirit. So I think definitely it, it starts to weigh on you to always be like, you know, putting that foot forward when, you know, you might on the side be dealing with something really, really hard. And I think we see that all over the place in society where people have a lot of struggles going on and they're trying to mask it with other things. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's difficult sometimes, but I think it is also, when I look at it, it is my authentic self as well. Mm. So you know, it's not a, it's not for show. Like yeah. this is, you know, I try and, and live life to the fullest in a very present way as much as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I'm going through challenge, I, you know, like to look at that as an opportunity and, and, you know, I, I've done that all along the way. Um, you know, some of our really low moments in business, I always look at them as an opportunity of how we can learn from it and, and be better. So I'm always kind of, definitely the optimism for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I also read somewhere that, um, you believe strongly that, um, you can really read people. Mm. And so do you, do you see that as having a really deep intuition? And if so, where do you think it came from? It definitely comes from my mother for sure. Um, I've always believed in this gift that I have that I can look somebody in the eye when I meet them or shake their hand or get near their energy. And I can really instinctually understand kind of who they are very quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, I've really cherished that gift over the years. I think it's brought me really close to a lot of people and a lot of people that I admire. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's given me the ability to, I think, read to, tougher situations as well and how I can navigate those. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've, I definitely get it from my mom. My mom is very, very similar. Um, I, you can just tell when you meet her, she's like, her energy is almost reading you the minute that you (laughs) get into her aura. Trying to hide your aura. So, um, but I, yeah, I believe that, um, I can still hone in that gift a little bit more as I mature and get older and, and use it for some real good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important too, with like, you know, obviously with connecting with people and you obviously have a huge community of, um, around you of, of friends. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, that's a big reason why is you've got this intuition and you surround yourself with good people. I hope so. Um, I'm curious being someone who's entrepreneurial with a lot of ideas. Um, how do those ideas come to you Mm. and how do you know which ones you truly want to pursue? You are just full of awesome questions today. You know that? <clears throat> You're great at your job, man. <laughs> Thank you. I try. <laughs> um, I'm just also very curious. I know you are. It's fantastic. <laughs> such a beautiful quality. Um, man, again, great question. I think I get um, 
Well, I get inspiration from so many places The you know, the, the people I surround myself with, the places I travel, the things I read, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a constant sponge for inspiration from any angle. I, um, I love human connection. Always have, like we were chatting earlier when I came in, you know, you and I are very social creatures. So this year has been definitely a bit of a challenge. You know, we're trying to find how we can still, you know, have that, you know, that social setting in a very awkward time. Um, but the human connection part is still alive and well. You can pick up the phone, you can, you can zoom, you can do whatever you want to. But um, the idea part um, really comes to me in a lot of different ways. I would say like, this is such a like classic entrepreneurial thing to say, but a lot in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I agree with that one. Oh me too. man, it's like, it's actually funny. I remember being at a TED event couple years ago and they had this incredible installment where it says where do your ideas come from and you walk through the two panels and one panel you walk through said the shower and the other one said <laughs> the rest of life and it was like five times more people on the shower side oh. and it had a little ticker above and the numbers were like astronomically more <clears throat> um why do you think that is uh, i think it's, it's just a, a very like one-on-one -on -one time where you're spending time with yourself and you can really get into your mind. Um, my mind wanders when I do yoga or when I do any sort of like meditative practice, when I fish, which is a very meditative practice. I get in my mind a lot. Um, I was having a, a massage not too long ago and my mind just like goes so deep into idea thinking. I can't really slow it down. Um, so I, I pick up a lot of ideas in that way, but a lot of those ideas um, kind of stay in the back of my mind or I jot them in one of my notebooks and I'll, I'll reference those every once in a while. And it's, you know, how you then evaluate and decipher which ones are good and bad. That really is like a lifelong journey. It's a journey of experience. It's a journey of where you are at the time in your life. You know, what experiences you're going through and what are shaping you. You know, we're ever-evolving humans like planet earth so you're kind of always evolving into new ideas and innovating so you know that that has always been a core value of all the businesses that we've started is to always be innovating and, and looking for new things so i'm constantly coming up with ideas but there is there's no actual mechanic or or function on how i evaluate each one but it's definitely using my intuition and my gut there's no doubt about it and where in the past that I have um, followed my gut, it's really, I, I've really seen success and whatever success you want to measure, but I've seen success from that. And where I've not followed my gut, I've definitely had challenge. Mm. So, and I can, I can remember some of those specific moments and we don't need to dive into those, but I think what they are is they're really good checkpoints for you, especially as an entrepreneur where you're like, okay, you know, these are kind of my, my guidelines and my foundation to follow. So follow them. Mm -hmm. mm. And speaking of new ideas, you've, uh, you've got something coming up soon. Very exciting. It's yes. something that I think you said was almost 15 years in the making. Yes. It's a, a wellness brand. It is. Correct? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so talk about, you know, ideas coming back around and I've had this idea to kind of be in, in wellness or self-care specifically for a number of years. And, 
you know, it's all about timing and it's about where you are as a human and what's going on in the world. And, you know, my last year has been, you know, obviously as we talked, it's been a very challenging, but very eye-opening year. And it was just, it was time to open up that box and, and bring that idea back to surface. And it has been, you know, just a real beautiful journey so far thinking about moving from kind of the last few chapters I've been in into more of a wellness sphere, which has, you know, really been a real passion of mine. I love, you know, I've always loved being an active human and eating healthy and, and so, and being outside and being a steward of the planet. So I really wanted to bring all those ideas back together and start something. So the brand is called Before and it's Before Self-Care. And, you know, we're really going to, hone into all sorts of different products but the first product that's going to be launched is disrupting the oral care business in toothpaste mm-hmm. and you know I've been I've always been really fascinated in businesses with commodity-based products and products that you use every day that really shape your life and how they can be better for you but work really well to get your best performance and so I've kind of combined all this and so the kind of tagline and motto for the company is before life happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before you can really be your best in life, you really need to be centered and balanced and taking care of yourself and and um, and your mind and your body. So oral care specifically for the first product is really connected to that full well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, for a lot of people, you know, the process of brushing your teeth is almost like a chore, especially when you're young. And so as you get older and you start to learn about all these routines that can really help you be, you know, better in your full self, oral care is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of great stats and great research that we've dove into over the last six months. And so I'm really excited to unpack that a little bit more. But yeah, really passionate about the brand and about what we can bring to life. And it looks beautiful, by the way. Thank yeah. you. Looks great. And so when can people expect it to launch? So we are in formulation right now, working with some unbelievable partners um, based out of the U.S. And so we'll be in formulation for about another 30 days. And then we're going through some um, Canadian and and American Dental Association testing and procedures. And then we will be launching after that. So let's just put a timeline on it of about eight months. I don't know when this is going to air. So maybe a yeah. bit shorter than that. Yeah. You're, it'll <laughs> be like probably a month. Yeah. So yeah. maybe like seven months after that. Okay. And when okay. people listen to this, we'll probably be hitting shelves, but you'll see a lot of pre-promotion for it. And we're really, really excited about what we can do with the brand on how we can really help change some people's lives and um, mm-hmm. be better stewards for the planet. And yeah. there's a lot of elements to this company that we're going to bring from who we are and who we want to be as people mm-hmm. and bring it into this and, and go forwards. Yeah. I, I kind of love that, um, that, you know, you took the last year and you got really introspective, which is a form of self care. And it's, yeah, it is so interesting that this, you know, 15 year idea around self care and wellness came up again and this this was the time this was when it was supposed to come timing yeah it's everything everything isn't it fate (laughs) well I just have uh two more questions for you okay um the first one's a fun one uh well I think it's fun because 
I love traveling. I know you love traveling. Yes. So when restrictions lift, where do you want to go? Oh, man. So many places. (laughs) (laughs) Just bottled up. Um, You know, I think, you know, being able to stay still for the last year has been, you know, I know a a challenge for a lot of people, but I think when we look back at it, we're all going to be so rewarded by it. You know, being out, like we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world and we're so fortunate and privileged to live here. So there's still some places in BC that I even want to explore. But if we get into like flying around the world and Mm -hmm. jet setting, um, I want to get back to Europe for sure. Mm. Um, There's some places in Europe that I want to check off the list and that I want to go to with Andrea and, and explore. So probably to Spain, if I could just like throw one in a hat, it'd probably be one of my first. Yep. Um, but I'm also just looking forward to getting company off the ground and staying local and doing some desolation sound trips and fishing. Nice. And, and staying around nice. BC. Yeah. Okay. And my final question um, is, and it's one that I ask all my guests, with what you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world? Hmm. I would say it's probably I'm going to I'm going to give you two answers because one is really hard. I would say that you know the one that first comes to mind that I think I would really love to leave is just more kindness. I think through everything that we've been through and everything now that we're about to face as humanity going into the future, I think a little bit of kindness goes a long way. Um doesn't have to be a lot, but I think I try and live my life through being just a kind person. And I think when other people are, it can just really inspire a lot of good. So I'd say kindness is my number one. And the next one is, is that I want to just inspire more people to dream big and follow their dreams, you know, Mm -hmm. wherever that is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've always been a big dreamer and a big believer in anybody can do anything that they believe in. And so I want to keep, doing that so that hopefully I can inspire some other people in my community or new people that I meet that there is that ability to do that in whatever facet of life that is. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, dream big and let's all be kind. I like that. Let's live a big life and be nice to one another. Yes. I like it. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was this was a great conversation, and it was really nice to to do this with you. Thank you so much for the time, May. Yeah, and hopefully there'll be a, a part two. I would love yes. that. <laughs> thank you. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes of The Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.